Welcome to the Innovating the Customer Experience podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power. And with me today are Lauren Pregoff, who's the Chief Customer Officer for Medicat, and also the principal contributor to the book Effortless Experience. Uh, we also have Mark Miller from J.D. Power. So Lauren and Mark, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Uh, so today we want to dive a little bit deep here on a, on a specific topic around active listening. And so when we say active listening, uh, what do we mean by that? How, how would we define it? Yeah, so I think it's actually a really interesting question in the context of customer service and, and contact centers, right? Because frequently you think about active listening and you might start thinking about body language, right? So leaning into a conversation or making sure that you're making eye contact. And those aren't necessarily things that a, a representative could do over the phone or handling a, a chat or an email. Um, so the way I think about it in this particular context is devoting your entire attention to really hearing what the customer is saying. Um, sometimes you can um, make sure that you are actually not um, navigating between your screens while they're talking, right? Just taking a beat and listening um, and just making sure that you're really internalizing what the customer is saying and responding to them appropriately. Uh, okay, that's, I think that's a great uh, definition, Lauren. Uh, so why, is, why do we think active listening is important to the customer experience? So Lauren, maybe start with you, and then Mark, if you have any um, data that, we, that you could share from J.D. Power Research. Sure. So I think active listening is, at the end of the day, the most important skill for a customer service representative to get right. Um, without active listening, you are at a, a much higher risk of misdiagnosing the customer's issue, um, missing out on important cues possibly for an, an upsell or cross-sell opportunity, um, and having the customer repeat themselves, right? So making sure that you're really listening to what they're saying leads to all of the good things that we want from a customer interaction, like accurately solving the issue that, that they're having. Yeah, I would just uh, totally agree with that. And you actually mentioned one of the diagnostics that here at JD Power uh, we look at and when we dive into performance, um, you know, some interesting things are happening. Number one, knowledge has moved up very significantly uh, in, in global software support. It's actually now the number one driver and it has moved up um, over 30%, which is amazing. And then you look on the customer service side and it used to be the number four driver of SAT, knowledge, and, which of course is a reflection of what you just were mentioning, Lauren, and now it's the number two driver and it's closing in on timeliness of resolution. So there's so much emphasis. And when you think about um, things like on the diagnostic side, providing information more than once, which if you have to do that, obviously degrades the perception of knowledge. We see even in top performers that satisfaction goes down uh, 181 points on a thousand point scale. Every time that you ask the customer repeat themselves, they lose 18% of their potential CX 
value. So to say that it is a significant contributor or dissatisfier uh, in that one particular diagnostic that you mentioned, that corporate behavior you mentioned, Lauren, would be an understatement, right? And it's and it makes sense, right? We think about, hey, knowledge is number two, coming up on timeliness, but it's almost offensive at this point, right? With uh, folks calling in long hold times to get to somebody, then when they get to somebody, the brand is asking them to repeat themselves. And of course we have multi-channel, so there's a huge opportunity to move from multi-channel to omni-channel where that is also punished very heavily if you have to repeat information more than once. So it's it's one of those things that um, has a very significant impact if not executed correctly. Yeah, Mark, I, I think you make an interesting point about you know customers having to repeat themselves. It has an immediate impact on those CX outcomes. And you know, as I'm listening to you, it actually makes me wonder if active listening is not just something that a rep can do, but it's something that a company can do. So you talked a little bit about omnichannel, right? And being able to pull in that information from other platforms, other channels that the customers are interacting with the company. So maybe companies need to become better active listeners. I think we all can relate to having you know, entered your account number or whatever verifier into the IVR and then you get to the rep and it's immediately the first thing they ask you, right? So it's not their fault you're repeating yourself, right? It's the company's fault. They've designed the process that way. Yes, they have. And that is what we call an unforced error, right? Because uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, and just one little tip and trick for our listeners here, you know, we understand that there has to be authentication and there can be value in, you know, uh, multiple steps and methodologies uh, around that. But, you know, if you ask for a number and someone enters in a number and then you're going to authenticate, don't choose to ask them for another number. Use one of the other methods that you asked for when the account was set up. Um, from an alpha standpoint, so somebody would say their mother's maiden name as an example, and that just allows the customer to understand and think when they're reflecting back on the experience, oh, did these folks ask me to repeat myself? So that's like a tactical thing that you can do because people are so annoyed if they perceive that they have to. So if you're actually not asking them to repeat themselves, also take the next step to get more refined and make it very clear that you're not asking them to repeat themselves even when they're thinking back. Um, so there are some little tactical things that many companies can do to affect perception. But I love your concept. At the corporate level, we have to really be cognizant um, of that and uh, that will reflect, reflect very well on um, customer sat and people thinking that you're respecting their time. Yeah, so Lauren and Mark, th thanks for that. So, so that's really kind of the impact on the customer experience for active listening. Um, we talked about having to repeat information as a indirect impact on CX because that's a key driver. Um, I think there's another one that we that we had been exchanging emails about, and that is if we're not active listening, then there's the potential to actually misdiagnose why the customer is contacting you, right, Lauren? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, many customer service representatives, um, they're handling what could seem like the same issue over and over and over again. So it's very easy to kind of slip into making some assumptions, right? You hear one key word at the beginning of what the customer is saying to you, and now you're 10 steps down the road solving the issue that you think it is, just because it's the you know, 10th time today you've heard about that thing. Um, and so um, if you are kind of taking the, um, the resolution path in the wrong direction, because you're not actively listening to what the customer is saying, um, that's the ultimate in driving customer effort, right? Because now they're gonna have to contact you back because you didn't actually solve their problem or you solved the wrong problem and, and whatever issue they had when they first made that contact is going to persist. Yeah, Mark, we, we know from our research that um, uh, making the customer contact you more than once, that, 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 that is not good for customer satisfaction, right? Oh, no. Yeah, it's a huge, huge dissatisfier, and it's directly correlated to effort. And when you think about diagnostics, what you just mentioned about, you know, non-resolution, it's actually the number one impact um, when you start thinking about things like actual experience impact and the incident rate involved in the impact. But something that Lauren mentioned also strikes me as she was thinking through and explaining to us about, you know, folks misdiagnosing something and going down the road to solve a problem. What that immediately feels like to the customer is, all right, I'm being put in a system and the system is impersonal and, you know, that creates brand affinity issues. And it also can lead folks to believe that the organization is operating off of rote scripts, right? And when we look um, at our data, when folks perceive you're using a script, not even that you're using it, but that their perception exists, you're talking about every time that happens, that's a 288-point degradation to customer satisfaction on a thousand point scale. So the risks and the impact uh, rather of having folks perceive that they're being led down a scripted path, super significant and again, an unforced error um, in our book. So just you know, taking the time and building in to your QA program uh, really paying attention to misdiagnoses um, and all the other elements that lead to, um, you know, this perception that folks aren't being listened to, that has to be integrated into your operations. So that's QA, training, coaching, and those elements to really get that out of your company. Because um, it is one of those things that uh, we often find is low-hanging fruit um, because that's something that you can affect relatively quickly without necessarily having to invest in huge amounts of technology. So why do we, why do we think, um, organizations perhaps are not doing a great job with active listening? Is this, is Mark, as, as you said, is this a QA training coaching issue? Is it, we're, we're putting, um, time constraints on the conversations uh, 
people are trying to do too many things at once. What, what's happening here? Yeah, I don't know Lauren's perspective. I mean, I just think about these agents and many operations that we go to, and we're very fortunate to go to top performers and folks who want to be top performers. And, um, you know, you have a higher incident right now um, and what's transpired over the last few years because you have newer folks on the phone with attrition rates being what it is, what they are rather initially, you do have this dynamic. And when I say initially, that means in someone's career initially, the first 90 days, yeah, we're losing half of our people. So you have all these new people who are trying to keep up with the system. And as they're trying to navigate the system, that really does reduce their ability to focus, as Lauren is mentioning, on the customer and demonstrating those active listening skills because they're multitasking and having to pay attention to all these mechanical things going on. Um, and that's why we're seeing that the for those companies who are making the invested investment in you know agent assist and trying to reduce that technology gap, um, they get a lot of payoff in, in this area. But those are some of the reasons, Mike, that are that this is happening. I don't know what Lauren thinks. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree there, Mark. I think that um, a lot of the obstacles to active listening can be um, internal, right? So the company um, has, you know, we're using 18 different windows to try and find the customer's information and pull up the knowledge base and get it all kind of sorted. Um, that's certainly one reason why a rep might be distracted. Um, you mentioned QA a couple minutes ago. I think that particularly when somebody is new, right, they're running through, okay, what do I have to do to make sure I'm getting a good QA evaluation on this call or, or chat or email? Um, and they're kind of thinking about those things, and that also would risk not, um, not fully listening to what the customer is having to say. Um, and as you mentioned, the new people, they're focused on making sure that, that they're just learning all of the, the knowledge. The more tenured folks, though, I think have that curse of knowledge that we were talking about earlier where they, oh, I, you know, I've, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. They know exactly what the customer's problem is in the first two seconds of what they've said. Um, and so I, I think that knowledge can can work for you and, and against you in, in certain ways. Um, and, you know, I, I think just in general, um, I came across some research recently that was talking about just the human attention span. So not in, in the context of customer service necessarily, but our attention span in general is decreasing. Um, if you think about the advent of technology and all of the different things that we have kind of instant access to. Um, the, the research I saw said that in the year 2000, the average adult attention span was 12 seconds. And in the year 2015, it was down to 8.25 seconds. That's a 30% decrease in attention span in 15 years. Um, so not only is the company making it harder for, for the reps to listen to the customers, but just generally our human brains are making it harder for us to truly listen. So, um, so, so what, are, what are some things that companies or organizations can do to promote active listening? Uh, are there any, any examples of things that have worked? That perhaps do you have any 
examples from your own experience where you were interacting with somebody who actually did a good job of, uh, of active listening? Yeah, so I mean, I, I would suggest you know, we've mentioned QA a couple of times here, and and um, you know, I think across the the contact center industry, we tend to demonize QA, but it, it can be used for good. Um, and think about ways that you could really adjust your QA to reward active listening. Um, evaluate what you are listening for from a QA perspective. Get rid of the things that don't matter um, and reward agents for that active listening or at least be on the lookout for the signs that a rep is not active listening, like having to make the customer repeat themselves or interrupting the customer. That's a great signal that you are not active listening. Um, so I would I would suggest starting there with the QA, um, but also trying to minimize the um, the number of systems, the number of screens that a rep has to navigate to, um, and particularly in your you know, early um, days of employment, doing what you can to ease handle time restrictions, right? So they don't feel quite as rushed to get through something. If it's a chat agent, let them work one chat at a time instead of concurrent chats. Um, so I think that there are a lot of things that companies can really do to enable reps to just have a, a better chance of active listening. Yeah, I would agree with, with all of that. And, um, uh, you know, translating the QA, creating this force multiplier by really focusing on it in training, focusing on it in coaching. And that requires kind of a larger leadership commitment to being customer centric. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, you can get lost in the metrics, but we just have to constantly and culturally, um, you know, drive this customer centricity. And when you do that, it makes things like active listening easier if you're out there actively rewarding it, right? You've got the incentives and controls, which we've talked about many times on this podcast. But um, yeah, it's the little things. We're seeing like in a super highly technical industry um, like SaaS, um, where you're dealing with engineers uh, we're finding that concern is actually moving way up and concern is directly related to the feeling from customers that I'm being listened to. And so it's fascinating that you can see in, in a, a group that, um, you know, really values knowledge over everything else that concern has actually moved up to be the number two driver. So, um, being aware of that and not taking for granted, hey, I'm in a technical field, so I don't have to, you know, uh, demonstrate concern. Again, that just gets back to being customer centric, understanding the data and then putting in the incentive and controls, many of which Lauren did a great job of mentioning to uh, ensure that active listening is just a part of how you do business. Okay, we want to wrap up with a call to action. So for people listening to the podcast today, uh, what are some things that they can take back to their organization to start a conversation about active listening? What, what kind of questions should, should they be asking? 
Yeah, so I, I think a, an easy one to start with is just how hard are we making it for our reps to be active listeners, right? So we've talked a lot about ways that companies inadvertently create these distractions. Um, so that would be a great place to have a conversation. I think you could also do a really interesting exercise um, to just brainstorm, put yourself in the customer's shoes. How, what does it feel like when you are receiving active listening from a rep, right? So how do you know? What are the signs of active listening? And write down what it all looks like, how it feels, what it sounds like. Then go pull 10 calls, 10 recorded um, conversations, 10 email scripts, and review them. Do you see that in the service that your customers are receiving? Um, and if not, start to really diagnose what's getting in the way. Yeah, that's great. Um, great advice. Very, very practical. I, I would just invite everybody to put on their rep lens and customer lens first and foremost when thinking about tech, right? Because right now the um, you know there's a lot of momentum around uh, tech and tech integration. It's totally necessary, and just would ensure that on the question set when evaluating tech, getting disciplined around how will this affect the customer experience and particularly how we interface with customers during rollout. Um, and then taking the time knowing that, you know, anytime you introduce a change and the uh, call center environment and, you know, the, digital assisted channel environment is changing so much right now that change is a constant. It's just around ensuring that that question is in there is how do we actively mitigate what is naturally going to happen when we ask folks to change a platform and um, add that into your training. Do not take it for granted and then using you know, some of those techniques that Lauren mentioned, we call it the hot seat, right? As part of the training um, to ensure that folks are able, you know, and these are, it's almost easier when you have new hires, but when you're talking about these folks who have been on these systems for so long, when you introduce that change, really helping them mitigate that so they can focus on the customer is a, another practical thing that they can do. Well, Lauren and Mark, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It was great. Thank you. I had a blast. And I want to thank our listeners as well, and we'll see you next time.